How's everybody doing tonight? My name is Augie with VIP Playlist. I'm here with uh, my beautiful co-host. Oh, geez. Thanks, bro. Uh, Adam. <laughs> we are joined today with, you want to introduce yourself and, and tell us what you do and what band you play for? Yeah, I'm uh, Brandon Kellum and I'm vocalist for American Standards. And you uh, prove right off the bat, you're going to be smooth talking right up top. That's right. That's right. We beautiful always... Adam Rodriguez. <laughs> beautiful Adam Rodriguez. Those three words. I've never heard them in, in that sequence before. <laughs> now it's recorded. So you can play That's it right. right. Forever. So we are going to make a playlist today. Is there anything you want to name this thing? So I did listen to a couple episodes like I was telling you. So I knew this question was coming. And I think uh, there's this, this, this pocket of time in like the early 2000s where every like hardcore, emo, punk band, whatever, had to have this obnoxiously long, pretentious name, right? Uh Hell yeah. And typically, like, that name, like, I don't know, I once rented a rug doctor in Paducah, Kentucky, and and now I hate flightless birds or something dumb (laughs) like that. Yep. Like, the name meant absolutely nothing, but the song, like, it would be, like, about their, like, their parents dying in a car crash or something like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was like the most deep meaning for like uh, a song title that meant nothing. So I'm going to go the opposite direction with that. So we're going to call this one Funeral Smiles, which mm-hmm. sounds like it has meaning. Absolutely means nothing at all. It's just something that the other day, uh, me and the guys were sitting around and we were thinking, wouldn't it be funny if you took bad news, like just stories you see, and then like superimposed smiles on everybody's face in those news stories? <laughs> And, and then our guitarist, Corey, came up with the name Funeral Smiles, and we just started looking up all these news articles, and I just started putting smiles on everybody's faces. You know what's funny? horribly poor taste, but uh, it, it definitely had us laughing for a bit. So they have uh, this, I'm assuming it's a TikTok filter, Snapchat filter, I don't know, but uh, it's like the eyes roll and the tongue sticks out. I just and saw that. You just like saw that? The, the uh, day? It looks pretty realistic too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, the the video I saw was the uh, the Tony Stark funeral. And yeah, it, it was like panning by. <laughs> it's like all the heroes, and now they're all yeah. Obviously, it's supposed to be sad, but they're all just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. The guys kind of know me in the chat of the guy that uses just like the knockoff free version of Photoshop to Photoshop everything the second any photo was sent in the group chat. Oh, or the second anybody posts anything on their Instagram, I'm like, all right, I'm taking that. I'm going to do something super silly <laughs> with this. Nice. So yeah, this is this whole idea of funeral smiles. Like we even played with this, this EP that we're coming up with the idea of making that either a song title or a EP title. But then we're like, ah, it's not in our, like it does, it doesn't really mean anything. But kind of, <laughs> like I said, it's ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. So uh, as I was, looking you know uh, for things i noticed you kind of look like ryan gosling man has anybody ever told you that tell me that you're playing into the bit here or do you actually, <laughs> is, you that actually... A, is that a bit no no no. seriously when i first i looked at your instagram and i was like yo this dude looks kind of like an emo ryan gosling <laughs> <laughs> man now i've got that recorded and that's just gonna feed into the mythos of this for years, people have been posting random like Ryan Gosling stuff. I'm like, I'm a white dude with a beard. <laughs> like, you know, I guess I look like Ryan Gosling. It's I mean, the hair too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's been going for a little while now. And to the point that like a couple years ago, we did like this annual Halloween party. I even got like the drive uh, jacket, you know, with a scorpion on the back and all that. That's it's, it's not a bad comparison. I'll take that comparison any day. There's a lot of worse. <laughs> worse no, yeah. I'm sure you've been called worse. Yeah. No, I, I, I play up into it now at this point. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah like Ryan Gosling. I just assume <laughs> that you saw like that happens on my page like once a week. Someone posts some random Ryan Gosling meme. 
I that's hilarious. I did not see any of that. That's hilarious. Okay, that's great then. I like that. I, I'm I'm blushing through the screen here. There you oh, go, uh, man. Hardcore Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I'm always Ryan Gosling in his worst, though. Like you know, in the Notebook where he's just got the big beard and he's all disheveled and stuff, which is still better than most dudes, but. <laughs> Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. Ryan Gosling on his worst day looks better than me any day. So <laughs> now, now Augie, that's your opinion. Oh, true. So we're talking goes true ways. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so question we like to kind of start out with, is there any like music you can remember listening to uh, maybe with parents or grandparents or just something that just kind of sticks out? Yeah, I think like the first music I actually remember listening to is mainly like my brother's music. I've got an older brother. He's nine years older, so pretty significantly older. And he grew up on stuff like Beastie Boys and Pantera. You know, like his teens were like in the 90s. So yeah. the MTV generation and, and all that. So I definitely remember growing up on, on all that. But the, the first type of music that I would say I called my own was like, you know, when I was starting to get into middle school and high school, and that was really like new metal. So stuff like System of a Down, and uh, Rage Against the Machine and things like that. That's kind of like the hugest. I mean, aside from when it started branching into emo and hardcore, that's that's really what I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my bread and butter for forever. You know, probably all time favorite band, really. But yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I, I think uh, new metal was huge when, when I was younger. Then I started getting into to heavier stuff. Like I, I think the first time I heard Zayo, I was like, "Holy shit! This is like this is the next like." That that worm hold me into heavier stuff. For what sure. was the first song? Do you remember? Um, probably it was probably like Five Year Winter or something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, mine was Rising End, and that just it blew my mind. I remember exactly where I was. It, I was in a Dodge Neon. It was summer, and I was hanging out with this dude. I won't name drop, but he, he wasn't the nicest guy. But I hung out with him anyways. Uh, <laughs> it was like I know super hot. About. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. It was super hot and he had like super hot out. So he had the windows down and uh, it was a, uh, it was like a Vans compilation thing. I, I don't even remember any of the other songs. I heard that and immediately ran home and was like, I got to figure out who that was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was the beginning. Yeah. It was probably the beginning for me too. Cause that got me into all the, the solid state stuff and the two yeah. stuff. Like the funny thing is like, I, although when I was younger, I, I went to a bunch of different types of churches and things. Cause I, I feel like you can't really like, knocks something until you know what it's about so mm-hmm. like i'm not religious at all now and right. if anybody is that's that's all their thing whatever makes you a better person is fine with sure. me. um but like at the time i had no clue most of these bands were like religious you know i knew solid state like you know i came to know that solid state was a christian label and tooth nail was but just this the bands that they had on there like haste the day and yeah. zayo and emory and training yeah. and there's just so many good bands that were coming out of that label at a time where you'd go to a record store and get like a compilation album for a specific label, like ferret records or solid state. And yep. you know, like 90% of that was going to be good. Even if you had never heard it before. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember, um, I bought the, I think it was like, this is solid state five and it had uh, a chariot song on there that, that hasn't been released. And it was like, it, of course it was like some obnoxiously really long name about yeah. the wolf yeah. or some, some shit like that. I don't remember, but, uh, that was what got me into the chariot right there. Is that, but, of course, Norma G and all that. I have actually a funny story about that. So I grew up like super religious. We grew up Southern Baptist. And uh, my brother used to listen to like uh, Perfect Circle and, and shit like that. And one day my mom read the lyrics to Judith. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> she freaked the fuck out. 
<laughs> she pulled and, out uh, the the CD wallet, cracked all the CDs. Oh yeah, yeah, they broke like every, like my brother was the one who fucking did it, not me. But they ended up breaking all my shit. <laughs> so like, I got all my CDs broke, which of course I, all my CDs were his CDs because I just burned them. Right. And uh, so they broke all my CDs, and I was like, of course my pissed off like preteen years i was like you know what i'm gonna find the heaviest music i can listen to the heaviest christian music i can listen to and uh that's that's how i get into like norma Jean and and solid state records yeah Dude, I, just, I mean that's the thing too is like even like knowing parts in the songs like those parts that would come up and you just wanted to sing along like i still wasn't taking it as this being like some christian message or anything i was just mm-hmm. like man this is fucking cool dude and then right? you see a lot of those bands touring and like actually playing churches and they're churches were like lending out their their church vans for them to do their tours on like it was this whole weird scene that like it was yeah. seemed like the biggest thing at the time like i don't know in retrospect how big it truly was it was it huge like it was the biggest yeah thing. i mean it, it was it was massive augie yeah. and i are from a real small town and you know doing all these interviews we kind of figured out that we were going to shows kind of like before you know others kind of did at that at at that age in their life, like we were like 15, 16, going to no, shows. Mind you, they were like every local weekend. shows. It's not like yeah, big of shows. Course. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a couple of bands ended up making it out, like Fit for a King, Bullet for Pretty Boy. Like they ended up kind of having, yeah. well, Fit for a King's still doing it. Bullet for Pretty Boy did for a little while. But I mean, we saw them like every weekend, plus other local bands, but it was always in like a youth church place, yeah. like whether it was in the mall or, or wherever. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was huge. And the coolest after, thing though was uh, like when a bullet for Pretty Boy got signed, um, they actually did a like a signing show or whatever. That was the show with Emory, wasn't it? Yeah, Emory came to yeah, Little Longview, Emory Texas. came down to Little Old Longview, Texas, and played yeah. you know, a little <laughs> church. Good guys. But yeah, I think um, I mean Zayo was. It, it's funny because even when we started American Standards, I used to always say Zayo was a one band that like the dream band to play with would be Zayo. And mm-hmm. at that point, yeah. they hadn't played Arizona in like fifteen years, maybe <laughs> maybe even more than that. And we actually, I think 2017 or 18, we got to do some shows with them. And they, and since then, it, like they've come back twice as hard. They've like doubled down. They've been putting out these new albums and it seems like singles every few months. And yeah. they're touring again, playing festivals. It's, it's really cool to see that. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. And they did that like, because of COVID, they did sort of like that virtual concert. Like, I don't know if yeah. you saw that. I bought, I bought the tickets for it and like watched it in my room by myself and i was just, <laughs> the coolest shit i've ever seen like i i need to i need to on. yeah yeah i need to see them like live they're one of the few that are yeah. still playing anyways that i haven't gotten to see live yeah, me and, I'll tell me you, and Russ on guitar man that that dude's got more energy than most he's yeah. like he's like flea the basis of red hot chili peppers where it's like how are you like that age and still performing at that level yeah. Like, yeah. Intensity? he's ridiculous but like i know that i'm probably gonna have to go like to philly or something which isn't a big deal but you know or see him on these big festivals you know yeah, yeah. like yeah. the festival vibe versus them playing a headliner where they're playing a longer set and right yeah Festivals tend to like rush everybody off the stage and, you know, you yeah. only get a set amount of time. But uh, me, me and Adam have a long history with Zayo. He bought a, I think it was the, wasn't it the Funeral of God that came uh, with the yep. DVD? Oh you know, no, that, that was like, oh God, I don't remember the name of the, of the DVD. It's like a separate DVD they released. Yeah. I think I know which one you're talking about. I think I had that. If not on DVD, I might have even had that on VHS. If it was yeah. one of those early Zayo ones. That was like uh, the, I was called The Lesser Lights of Heaven. I knew it yeah, was. The Lesser Lights. Sure. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That's the name of one of their songs, too. Yeah. So we, we were watching that at like, I think, man, I was a, I was a senior. So it was, I was like 16, 17. 
Yeah. And uh, that's where, that's how we found out about like the Splinter Shards, the Birth of Separation and, and the other albums that they did pre-Dan. And uh, that shit was nuts, man. First time I heard that. Yeah, that was 2005. So I, I absolutely remember watching yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, I was, yeah. I mean, we sat at your mom's duplex and just yep. watched that. Hell yeah. That's what we did, man. Good times, man. Yeah, so Zayo was one of the first that started bridging me into more of the, the heavier stuff outside of like what I was hearing on the radio and stuff. I right. mean, I was going back then, that's when, you know, OzFest was a huge thing. So I was going to OzFest to see bands like System of a Down and Rob Zombie and all those other bands like that and, and Warp Tour, obviously, back then too, which I look back now in my 30s at like, how the hell did I go to Warp Tour in like July, August in Phoenix, Arizona? where it's 115 degrees yeah, and you're surrounded man. by thousands of people, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I cannot imagine doing you're, that. Now. You're built different, man. Let's, yeah. let's <laughs> get some of these songs on the playlist. Let's, let's get this thing started. Yeah, let's Definitely. go with the um, Beastie Boys, man. Let's start there. Let's throw a loop for Beastie Boys. So I would say, like, the obvious one for Beastie Boys is, like, Fight for Your Right. I would say yeah. it's one of their obvious ones. But have you heard the single or the um, cover of it by Cancer Bats? So Cancer Bats covering Fight for Your Right oh, by Beastie Boys. I have Boys. not. Man, it is Chef's Kiss. Check it out. Chef's Kiss. <laughs> nice. And then we got uh, Rage. Uh, Rage Against the Machine. I think Bomb Track is probably all time for me, man. And I, yeah. I still haven't pulled the trigger on you know, buying these $500 tickets wherever they are for any of their shows. But I just might do it. because. Yeah, dude. I, I need to do the same. Yeah. TBH. <laughs> I guess I'm an adult. I can bite the bullet now, right? <laughs> right. I didn't even I didn't even want to look at and see how much those those tickets cost. And they're all probably like scalper tickets too, which sucks even more. Yeah. Oh yeah, this, then yeah. you know you're paying, paying two or three times how much they yeah. actually cost, and none of that's going to the band or the charity that they're donating it to. Yep. Uh, and then we got System. System is like one of those bands I feel like always has like the strongest opening track on every album. Uh, so I'd probably have to go with their self-titled album. They have the first song; it's called Sweet Pea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Banger, dude. I mean, on Toxicity Prison Song is the first song. That's a banger, too. Uh, but yeah, Sweet Pea would probably be, uh, if I had to cover a system song, it'd probably be that. Not a bad choice. <laughs> I might say if I had to, if I could do the weird ass thing that Serge is doing <laughs> and Corey could do those backup vocals that Darian's doing, I, I would be all about that. Right. <laughs> we would just be a cheap knockoff. We would we'd probably sound worse than when MGK was trying to cover System of a Death. <laughs> he did? Oh my gosh. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it's, I, was, it's, I, I was so, my life was so much better before I knew that. <laughs> it's it's god awful, dude. It's oh the most God. like monotone, yeah. like one note through the whole song. Yeah. yeah. And like no hate, because I'm sure he listens to the podcast and I, I, I Oh yeah, to absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah MGK, sorry. We really gotta be popular with the youth here. So listen, yeah. let's be real though. I mean, if you can't criticize an artist, even if you like the artist or whatever, you know, you gotta be able to have some kind of criticism towards an artist, right? Fair, fair, yeah. Yeah. It's true. It wasn't your best work, MGK. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that maybe not better. system of a down. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like I feel like a band of our level, we very rarely see like bad reviews. Um, which is like a unique thing because like if you're really small, you're probably not getting any reviews. And then you're like a couple steps up, and I wouldn't even say that we're many steps up. We've just been doing it for fucking ten years, you know. But yeah. like every time we get any reviews for our albums or songs, they're always overall good and not because i think we're a great band it's just because like why shit on a band that's like our size you know 
But then yeah. if you're a big band, you got those mixed reviews where they're good and bad and stuff. I would like to see some bad reviews on our stuff. So I see what people like. I've definitely seen some comments and tweets and shit like that. But like just overall, what do people actually think about it as opposed to like, all right, this band's got a new album. They need a little bit of a push here. This album's fantastic. Five out of five. Yeah, I feel that. Is that so shit on us, guys? Everybody that's listening, come give me your real <laughs> Zayo. I, I mean, like I said, I think the first song that I actually remember hearing was probably Five Year Winter. So, so maybe we'll go with that. I, I definitely went backwards from there. And then I don't think I ever really fell off Zayo. Like a lot of bands, it's like one or two albums and then I fall off uh, and then I, I might come back. Like Norman Jean's a great example of that. I love those guys. We've played with them several times. Like, I absolutely fell off after a few albums and then came back and said, why the hell did I stop listening? This is great. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Isaiah has been just consistent pretty much across the board. So let's I go agree. with five year winter. Yeah, I agree. Matter of fact, winter. put, put another one. I want to hear your favorite. Oh, my favorite. Oh man, that's tough. Now you can't ask me a question if you don't get an answer either. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Adam. <laughs> you know what? I'm leaving. <laughs> Adam has left the chat. Um, Oh God. Cause the first one I heard was the rising end, but honestly, I really like the race of standing still. Okay. Yeah. So let's put that one on there. Cause I feel like the rising end is, is uh, well known for sure. One more thing about Zayo and then, and then we can move on. But I think the coolest thing about Zayo was like the lyrics, like coming from like a solid state, like, you know, Christian band yeah. and then having uh, what is it? The, Damn it, Adam, you're going to have to help me out. Was that song that, you know, which one I'm talking about? I think it's uh, The Prostitute or whatever. Savannah. The Model or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Savannah. Savannah, yeah. So having like, that was like very, very surreal in like the the Christian realm. So like hearing lyrics like that and having like a a topic like that covered was very surreal. For lack of a better word, edgy. I mean, the funeral of God itself as a concept. Absolutely. And then, you know, so it, it was definitely besides their sound that just drew me more into them. And then I, I read his lyrics and he's always talking about something, dude. It's, it's just great. I mean, yeah. it's intentional too, right? Like they, they absolutely want to question things and not, of course, like, yeah. I think kind of like Emory is a great example of that too. Um, yep. They, they've got like the bad Christian podcast and, yeah. and that's a, a lot about just, you know, that are obviously very Christian, but questioning just the traditional view of Christianity, like the idea that you can't cuss or look at porn, yeah. Yeah. this and that, you know? I always liked uh, Joey Svensson because of that, because he is a preacher and he was one of the co-hosts on the bad Christian podcast and he was a preacher and everything. And he was like, look guys, I don't have the, all the fucking answers either. So I always thought that was very like humbling, I guess, like, like it, most Preachers have kind of a bad rap of being like this, like, uh, I got everything. Well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just like, no, man, I don't fucking know just as much as you don't, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we're all figuring this out together. For yeah. real. I, I always thought that, that was really cool about, about Joey Swenson. So yeah. he's, I'm pretty cool. sure he has a, a podcast called The Pastor With No Answers. What was it like playing with them? Uh, it was really cool. The thing is, like, so before we played with them, I had actually been working for their label, Bad Christian, for about a year, a year and a half. It was like this really weird thing where like one day on our band page, I got a message, um, just a random message from like the Emory band page. And it was just like, are you guys signed? And I'm thinking in my head, because I've been doing music for a while now, I was like, this is for sure a scam. Their account got hacked. Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. Uh, and then fast forward a day or two, and we're on like a video chat and we're talking about what they're doing. At the time, they had these plans to expand the label to 
a new name and kind of a subset that was non-Christian bands. And then they started finding out that, hey, I've been like for American Standards, I've been booking the the tours, the press release, like almost anything you see for American Standards for the last 10 years has been me driving that DIY, you know? Yeah. And when they found out about that, they started having me do the press release and like the radio playlisting for their, uh, for their label. So um, when they were coming through on that tour that we did with them, uh, strangely, somehow they heard that we were like banned from certain venues for our show being chaotic or something. I don't know what the hell it was. It was a complete lie, but it was a really cool lie. <laughs> it made us sound like <laughs> yeah. we were way cooler than we were. Uh, so like I, I hit, I hit up Matt. I'm like, yeah, that's not true, dude. You, you can talk to these promoters, these venues, like we play them all the time. Like, you know, we're all close. So we did that show with them. It was really cool. Matt actually came up and did vocals on the song we have called Bottom Feeder. And he was kind of standing, standing inside the stage and came up, just screamed into the mic with us, hanging out with him after. And Matt said something to me that like, it's always resonated with me. And uh, I can't say that we did anything with this, but he asked, how do you see your band doing the show that you do scaling to like, a larger place, like a, a big uh, venue large for thousands venue, yeah. of people. Yeah. Cause our show is very much about being up in the crowd. Like there's no guardrails. Mm-hmm. We're down, down there with you. Hell, if you'll let us play on the floor, we'll play on the floor as opposed to playing yeah. three or four feet above you, you know? And he asked that question and, and it's always kind of stuck with me. Cause like a part of me thinks like, yeah, I guess like if you're standing in the very back and like, you're just drinking your beer or whatever, you're having a very different experience than the people that are up in the crowd and we're, you know, up in the face and we're inter- interacting together. But at the same time, like, I don't know that I'd want to have it any other way, to be honest. Like, yes, it would be cool to play, like, these shows to thousands of people. But, like, if I don't get to have that same energy, like, I don't know if I want it. It's a a very solid and actually super insightful question. And I I, I get why I asked it. It's like, he's getting you to think, like, hey, like, what would you do? (laughs) (laughs) And it's actually, that's, that's yeah, really no, dope, man. It, it, no, like it's like I said, it's, it's been this little earworm in my head. Cause like, sometimes I do think like, if I'm like flipping on the stage and laying on my back for a minute, there's like no one above the first two rows that can see me, you know? Yeah. Um, and like I said, I don't know that I've changed much from what we do after he said that, but it's always stuck with me. Coolest guys, dude. They're really, really cool. I think some of the best shows I've ever been to though, were just like small personal venues. We, we saw um, Ism Fav at a really small venue. I saw The Devil Wears Prada at like this. Dude, I thought the fucking building was going to fall down. It was in New Orleans. It was a two-story building in New Orleans. Like you had to walk up these little bitty like steps to get to the second floor. And the whole fucking building was like shaking. You could just feel it. And I was like, man, this bitch is going to collapse. But the, the stage didn't come up to like your knee. This is like 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. Yeah. Stage barely came up to your knee. Best. So yeah, best. you were like right there with the band. And that those were like some of the best fucking shows, you know? It, like those beat festivals any fucking day. Oh yeah. Give me that. Like to me, a festival yeah. is like I don't know. To me, a festival is more about like the overall atmosphere, hanging out, being outdoors, being like right. a bunch of people and everything. Like and the band sometimes, like especially when they've got these festivals with 50 bands, a lot of times the music's playing as like a background to that. And then obviously you're gonna go see the four or five bands that you really want to see. But yeah, it's just a different thing compared to the small venues. Um yeah. and like I said, it's not nothing against the bands that do that. And like absolutely we we played a couple of those shows like that and and would we continue to do shows like that? Yeah. But like yeah, my favorite shows sometimes are like some kid's basement playing to 30 kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Little pin on the everything that I always thought was funny is around that time we did this tour and uh, bad Christian, their podcast was like sponsoring different bands and things like that. So they said, Hey, we'll like push the tour on the podcast. 
I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So on that uh, tour flyer, we had Bad Christian in one corner sponsoring the tour. And in the other corner, we had Genco Jeans. And you're probably saying, <laughs> nice. either one, you're saying, what the hell is Genco Jeans? Or two, you know what Genco Jeans are. And you're like, what the hell? That hasn't been around for 20 years. Yeah. There was a small pocket of time where Genco Jeans tried to make a comeback. And I reached out to them just as this like kind of goofy Hail Mary being like, yo, we're going on tour. If you want to provide us some tour support here, we'll put you on the flyer. And like they reached out, they had like this conference call with us. And the next thing you know, we got bad Christian and Jenko jeans in our tour flyer. That's fucking yeah. badass, dude. Best. So freaking goofy, dude. Right? <laughs> That's really cool, man. I've been listening to Emory since this shit, dude. Since Walls came out. Honestly, right? there's not many bands that can top their harmonies, dude. Their, yeah. their vocal harmonies make me very jealous as a guy that could barely hold a couple notes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, they They're just, so cool. they kill it every time. And so Adam hated him. Adam, Adam was like, uh, uh, well, he never heard him. He didn't give him the, like the time I wouldn't of day. say hate. <laughs> At that time. And, and I was into like, you know, under oath, like cries of the past. Like yeah, it, it yeah, had yeah. like it, honestly, if it, minimal black singing, metal Christian under us. Yeah. M- minimal singing yeah. is what it, so I heard Emery and I was just, I didn't even give him a chance. I was just like, eh, I'm not going to like this. And then I saw them. We saw them live at that yep. Boulevard Booty Boy release show. And I was Adam like, right. into it. Yeah, I was like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely feel that idea of kind of like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but being a hater for stuff that was like popular or softer and things like that. Like in high school, like there's new metal and there's pop punk. And I absolutely hated pop punk for absolutely no reason, you know? Yeah. And now there's this weird thing, like, uh, like at my age, I look back and everybody my age, like has this nostalgia for all this pop punk that I, I listen to it. And I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty catchy. This isn't bad. But it doesn't but resonate. That, yeah. I don't have that nostalgia exactly. for like My Chemical Romance and all these other bands because I was hating on them because I actively either at the time was liking new metal or was getting into hardcore and got into that heavier stuff, you know? Yeah. But um, a little like tangent to that, I honestly think that <laughs> that whole dynamic is kind of why I started playing music because I remember seeing on TV the the promo for Lincoln Park when they're coming out with hybrid theory mm-hmm. and they, you know they led with one step closer and it was just playing like a a 10 second clip of of Chester yelling shut up yeah uh, like, I'm in yeah, let's damn. go let's get yeah. this album right so I get that album and this is I don't know early 2000s obviously uh, right. when it came out so I get this album and I, I give it one listen I'm like this is horrible rap. I don't like this at all. <laughs> uh, which I'm obviously wrong because that album is bangers. The beginning, the end, you know, that right. toxicity. Oh my God. So many singles. But at the time I'm like, this is nothing but rap. So I give it to a good friend that I've known literally since kindergarten. And I said, you like rap. You, you listen to this. So I give him this album. He starts getting into rock. And then eventually we, you know, he, he we wanted to start, we started talking about starting a band. Neither one of us played anything, but my dad had just given me a guitar for Christmas, like a cheap, Fender Squire guitar. And I'm like, you should, you know, we start our band. He's like, yeah, I'll play turntables. I'm like, nah, you should play bass. So <laughs> I really think that that idea of like, I didn't like that album at all. Gave it to, to my buddy, Chris, he started listening to it. And we started getting really into to rock music and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And that's kind of, oh, I mean, that was 2001 ish, I guess. Right. So like yeah. what or who got you into screaming in the first place? Uh, so we wanted to start a band and I wanted, I didn't want to be the guitarist. I wanted to be the vocalist. Cause I mean, obviously the vocalist is a cool guy. Right, yeah. So where's that? Um, so well, I think my dad buying me that guitar that year was his way of saying like, Hey, you can't really sing dude. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Is true. 
But uh, at the time, I was actually trying to sing and not just scream. And then fast forward a couple of years when I was getting into Zayo and all that other stuff, I was actually like, okay, maybe I can just scream. Like, I don't have to have these big hook choruses that you hear in every, you know, new metal song on the radio. So I, I, I like I said, I think it's probably just from uh, necessity. Like, I, I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to sing. Then I got into guitar. I played guitar in bands for like five years. There was one point where we were in a band that were trying to do it as a living. Like, if you got a two-week tour, quit your job and take that two-week tour, you know? When that kind of went south and broke up, uh, I just started doing solo stuff where I was kind of learning to play bass and drums and, and recording my own solo stuff. Some guys came about it on MySpace and said, hey, you, you want to make this a you know, full-time thing or a, at least a, a full band? So that's how I started singing for the band or screaming for the band. That's awesome, and, man. And when you started out, were you good or were you like not good? I'm still not you remember? good, now, dude. So no, like, no, now, now. No, no, I'm going to be. And completely. he's humble too. No, not humble at all. <laughs> no, no, but I'm going to be honest with myself. So I feel like I know like the, the technique behind screaming and I can do like the, you know, the fries, the lows and the highs and all that uh -huh. shit all day and not lose my voice. But something about me like hates that. And I know that's not right. Meaning like using that technique of holding it in and not actually screaming, like that's not what I do in American standards. American standards, I'm screaming at full volume to the point that like typically I'm standing like five feet from the mic when I'm you know, recording. <laughs> um, so it's not clipping the whole time and it actually you know, yeah. sounds fine, but that's not how you're supposed to scream. You know, that, right. that's not sustainable, but I've somehow done it for so long that I, I don't really lose my voice doing it anymore or anything. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I it's very powerful sounding and it's, it's actually unique. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think if I were to like do like the, the, traditional techniques and everything. I just want to get that same sound out of it. Mm -hmm. And not to even say it's a good sound. It's just like, I do feel yes. like to your point, I do feel like it's, it's different than it, it's a whole different vibe than if I was going for more of the standard techniques, you know? Yeah. So yeah, no, I don't like, I don't think I was like to your question. I don't think I was good out the gate, but I, I do think that like, I absolutely lost my voice a lot more than I, than I do now, which I mean, I don't think I've lost my voice in like 10 years doing this. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I just kind of found either build that resistance, but also just kind of found what works, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, being a hardcore vocalist, you kind of got to protect those things, you know? Yeah. That's the thing too. It's like, if we were back out, like when we first started with American standards doing like more than a couple weeks at a time, I might be forced to think about that. But now like the sweet spot for me is like a 10 day tour. Cause on a 10 day tour, every day feels fresh every day matters like it, yeah. it doesn't feel like a job i know i can do that that amount of time without like losing my voice or anything like that so it allows me to give give it my all and also feel like i'm getting everything i want out of it too for sure let's get some uh, emory on here real quick let's see here i mean the funny thing is so i've been talking about emory here i very similarly i don't think i was immediately into uh, emory mm-hmm I probably didn't even start listening to uh, Emory like a lot outside of just their singles like Walls until like I started working with them. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, that's probably going to be the nail in my coffin here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was never the biggest Emory fan, but, but I did go back and start listening to a lot, a lot of their stuff. And like I said, like the harmonies are just ridiculous. Even their new stuff, like they just came out with something, um, an album. Rub some dirt in it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep. And I'm listening to that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, these guys should sing their asses off. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like outside of walls, which ones really stick out for me. 
so cold I could see my breath. I just, yeah. I mean, that whole album, really, I guess the question, I think that's the uh, the shows that we actually did with them. Let's, they're doing the anniversary of the question. Yeah. That one definitely sticks out in my mind. So let's go ahead and throw that one on there. I think that that, that album is where they really started, like, uh, utilizing those melodies hardcore. Yeah. And, and, oh, man, such a good album. I remember them saying, too, that they didn't really even start playing music uh, until, like, in their mid-20s or maybe yeah. beyond that. So it's like... That's wild, dude. Like, yeah, I, I was playing music before I even knew how to play, like, tune a guitar. I was just so like gung ho yeah. about like wanting to uh, to be a part of something, you know. So yeah, we were just my buddy. I said that wanted to play turntables. Me and him were just like playing a, a bass and a guitar that weren't tuned to each other or tuned to any type of actual tuning. <laughs> <laughs> just writing lyrics and like being like, this is awesome. And that's how you start, man. That's how you. That's how you start. Yeah, yeah man, for sure. So self-entitled came out 2012 from still life. Yeah. So the self-entitled is the first song on uh, still life. I think it's 2012 or probably the re-release was in 2012. So still we, life. Okay. That's what yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah. We put out that album uh, and did like a self-release. That was like outside of a, like a three or four song EP that we just like legitimately bit off more than we can chew. We uh, decided to press 500 albums like our CDs and, and like just on wow. CDRs. We, uh, we did the covers, we hand painted every cover. We wrote, hand wrote all the lyrics for every one. So we like, for probably a solid week and a half, or just, especially me, it's like handwriting lyrics and stuffing them into these like homemade envelopes that we then spray painted. And so outside of that EP, the first album was Still Life. We put that out and maybe like six months later is when We Are Triumphant and Victory Records reached out about um, (laughs) re-releasing it. Okay, so you put it out, and then, so is the one on, I'm assuming the one on Spotify is the re-release through Victory, or? That's actually, so then we ended up buying back the rights to it a couple of years Fuck ago. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That's Fuck what I like yeah, to hear. Uh, because we weren't seeing from uh, the moment of that re-release, which was like six months after we put it out, we didn't see, you know, how it was performing, any money at all from it. Not like we expect any money from, like, you mean a hardcore band, but like we couldn't recoup any costs from it or get any visibility into, like, anything about that album for probably eight years yeah wow so we basically said like we need to figure this out you know and and all these years later and then yeah we ended up getting the rights back to it and then uh also getting very small check that i think probably barely covered the cost of back then um we did a, a a slight remaster with what we had because we didn't even have the stems at that point we basically just had like the final versions and then uh yeah we re uploaded it to uh all the streaming well that's before. badass man that's good i'm i'm glad me and adam were actually just talking about the other day but i don't want to get into it because i don't we, we don't really know the ins and outs but it's true artists owning their own music is is always a fucking good thing so yeah right now yeah there's there's just about no reason not to own your own music yeah exactly. unless you're just like unless you're either one uh like so wealthy or rich that you can just afford to like pay a bunch of people to do your stuff, like book your tours, do your press release, record all your stuff and everything. I mean, yeah, if you're rich, fucking buy all the people, make them do it yourself. Or you're just too lazy to like literally use Google. Like all you've got to do is Google and you can find the venues to play at and the promoters to reach out to and the press outlets that will have you on and everything. And like, there is an infinite amount of knowledge on there that will get you what you need. It takes time, but, um, there's, I mean, like, so there's, there's very little labels can get you. I can't tell yeah. you, like, especially over the last maybe five or six years, how many label offers that we've got that basically their selling point is, Hey, we used to have these big bands on our label. Mm-hmm. And 
I think going back to that point we talked about earlier, like if this was 2005 where people were stoked about like bands on a label like Ferret Records or Trust Kill or whatever, and everybody would just try to actively find bands on that label, maybe that meant something. But yeah. now I don't even think most people even care what label. I have on. no like, clue. Even yeah. what, like, I don't even know what labels are still active. I know Victory went bankrupt not too long ago. Oh, did they? Yeah, I didn't even keep yeah, up with yeah. that. <laughs> well, the only reason I know that is because they were doing like this huge, I think I interviewed uh, Sunny, Sunny Vega you know, like two yeah. years ago from uh, Close Your Eyes. Yeah. And I believe they were on Victory. And victory was doing like this big fucking bankruptcy clear out they were like selling shit out of their offices and shit it was nuts wow yeah and Vic, so victory was like distributing our stuff they um so the label we were under was like a i don't know if you call it a subsidiary subset called we are trumpet but victory owned all the distribution rights to it so they're pushing all the, that along with some merch and stuff like that so i almost wonder now like with that context was it truly just like so easy to get our stuff back because they were going bankrupt i have no clue you know? yeah I just know that we got it back and we were able to now actually see how it's doing. Well, that's good, man. Like I said, artists owning their own shit is always a good thing. Dude, the wildest thing is like, even as an artist, you can post your own music and it'll get fucked and get pulled down. Oh, dude, no fucking joke, man. You know how hard it is for me in this podcast? Like, Jesus Christ, because I like to like promote all the bands that I'm trying to like, you know, do these episodes because that's, you know, if I have you on, I would love to like share your shit with everybody I know. So well, let it be known. You have full permission to share our shit and use it in any yeah. regard that you want. <laughs> so but, like, yeah, every no. time I try to like post a clip, I used to post like, so the videos I make now, I just have like a set song that I use that doesn't get flagged or anything, but I used to take and like clip parts of the band's songs and stuff like that. That way everybody could kind of get a feel for them who I was interviewing and all that shit. But now I, it, it's such a pain in the ass. I don't even want to deal with it. Yeah, I think especially on like YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like if we do any interview that gets uploaded to YouTube and people use our music, sometimes they'll reach out to me and be like, hey, like our stuff got flagged. What can you do? I'm like, honestly, I have no clue. <laughs> it's yeah. like, for some of the older stuff there, I just, it's getting flagged. But I like, it's if, if it's up to me, you can use it for whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Put it in the new Transformers movie. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, was it y'all's call to kind of like, part ways with victory and, and do the DIY thing. Yeah. And I mean, the story behind that is like in the shortest fashion is nothing changed from us not being on it to us being on it with the exception of occasionally they would post about it. They'd post about the music or something like that, but we were still booking our own tours. We're paying for our own recording. Um, we, and on top of that, now we were on these timelines. So it was like, all right, we need to have a song out by here and you need to film a video by this date and you need to do a tour around this time to support it. But we were responsible for booking all that and paying for all of it. Oh shit. So it was like, at that point it's like, and, and also like I was, I mean, 10 years younger than I am now. So at the time I was always just like, fuck you dude. Like now everybody thinks that we're, building getting any steam because we signed you guys but i know behind the scenes it's still me doing everything here you know yeah uh, so we yeah no we just uh, we we did the re-release we did a uh a, a six song ep or the death of rhythm, rhythm and blues and then we just kind of told them straight up it's like hey if we can't get any artist development or support here we can't keep hitting these timelines because like we're not making money off this thing we can't yeah. just kind of dump our own personal money endlessly into something with your own timelines that's rough yeah it is 
Yeah, so it wasn't in like, I mean, I, I am glad that we kind of level-headed. We never put anything out there about it. I, looking back, like I don't have any ill will to any of the people we worked with or anything. So we never, we basically just acted like we were never on it to begin with. We went our way, keep doing what we were doing, put out another yeah. movie after that. Like, I, I almost feel grateful that we weren't one of the bands that had the horror stories that a lot of the other bands did. Yeah, I've, I've heard That's about good. some of those as well. I know a day to remember was one of them. We're a small fish in a big ocean. <laughs> yeah. And like, you don't need us, but also like, it would be sweet if you helped us, but if you're not, there's no reason for us to be here. Yeah, yeah for sure. Beneficial. But I mean, that's, that's cool, kind of, man. I mean, I feel like that was like the, I don't want to say the death of the, the label, uh, kind of the concept of a label, but like that was at the point where they were starting to bank more on if we can get 50 bands on a label and two or three take off, that's better than having four or five bands on a label and actually spending artists development on them. Yeah, for sure. I know it's probably not good for, bands as far as like money wise but as far as like content wise the way things are set up now i wish there was a better way to get money in bands pockets but as far as your content reaching like the masses like everything is is a lot easier nowadays i yeah i would agree uh like i didn't know this podcast is more about like making the songs but i would also the only thing i would say that this made it hard and it's made it hard for everybody is like social media you can get it out to absolutely everybody on the drop of a dime but now it's such a, like uh, you're yelling into a hallway or something like no one's yeah. listening because everybody's yelling. And at yeah. the same time, the outlets know that you need them. So now like a great example is like with our, like our Facebook page, for example, I know Facebook is kind of on the way out now, but with Facebook, like at one point, I think we had like 80 or 90,000 followers. And then they did that big switch from followers to, or likes to follows or whatever it was. And we like lost half of that crowd. And then just like two or three weeks ago, uh, wake up and like another 20,000 people are gone. Damn. And part of me is thinking, okay, like maybe they're purging old accounts. We've been around for 10, 11 years. Some of the people that follow our page literally saw us on a tour in like 2010, 2011. Uh, so maybe they're just purging these old inactive accounts. But then we realized like, even the guys in the band got purged from it and we're no longer liking the page. Wow. And then also like many of our friends were like, we're saying like, Oh yeah. Like when I posted on my personal about it, they're like, yeah, like not only that, but I've tried to like it a couple of times since and it just keeps taking me off. So that's it, like, weird. They know that they need you. So when we posted yeah. about that on the band page, they uh, like, they have, you probably seen this on the, on the podcast page, but they'll have that little banner that says like, for $20 more, you could promote. Yeah, you could reach this many people. people. Oh my God, that's so funny. So we annoying. posted about them purging 20,000 people. And then it said for $20 more, you can post, <laughs> post this to 2,000 people. <laughs> this trade off yeah. seems uneven here, you know? That's so yeah. crazy, though. But it's like, fuck, dude, that, that annoys the shit out of me. Because it doesn't show your content to the people that follow your fucking page. What is the goddamn point? of yeah. people following your page if you're not going to see our fucking content. There's, that makes no sense yeah. to me. It's the and most annoying the shit. touring band do we even tell people in a different city like, that yeah. we're playing there? If like the people in that city are a subset of a subset of a subset on our, yeah. on our pages, you know? So it's, it makes you pay for that. And that yeah. goes back to that idea of like, as a band of our level, it's like, you, you, you can't just endlessly dump money into it. And at this point, like as a band, we're – we have no illusions of grandeur where we're going to take this full time or we're going to be a, right. a band. We just want to keep doing what we're doing at the level that we're doing it. So yeah, like just dumping money into like ads isn't realistic. No, so, not yeah. At all. I mean, there's just so much going on. Like, like you mentioned, uh, Brandon, it's like, 
oversaturated because um, everyone's yelling. And then I don't know the total ins and outs of it, but like album sales, that's not a thing anymore. Streaming, yeah. like the amount of songs you have to get streamed to actually see real money. Point zero like, three of a penny per stream. Yeah, it's <laughs> unreal. Even like from my understanding, the, the money, you know, you can make some money from touring, but like that's not even like it's not easy to do. Um, basically merch man like yeah yeah your, your source of revenue is merch and your way to sell merch is to play shows whether it be touring exactly, or local exactly so like you buy a t-shirt for three or four bucks and you sell it for 10 15 20 bucks whatever it is that's your only way to then make enough money to I, I go noticed, record i've or, noticed these t-shirt prices have skyrocketed oh yeah um Lots of t-shirts have gone up quite a bit yeah, so, yeah. ever ever since you know covid kind of no, no one really cares about it anymore and not you know shows are back i've been gone like i've gone to one or two every month since like this whole year and so like you know i like to buy a shirt if i can and it's like these band shirts are like 50 bucks. I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, another big issue too is uh venues are starting to take a merch cut, which yeah, I think is complete bullshit, but agreed. I'm not, which a is band, wild because so. there's such small, uh, small margins of money that you even get off that. Cause yeah. like, it's, like you were saying, like the uh, t-shirt cost has gone up too. I will yeah. say that like American standards merch is kind of like the, the Costco hot dog. We have oh, yeah. It doesn't change. So, like, <laughs> it's $15 for a shirt and we'll give you two for 20 bucks. Hell well, yeah. if, if I, if I ever am blessed and fortunate enough to go to one of your shows, I will, I will give you extra Why? for the shirt, but it, it's I've just been trying to save my money for uh, like Bandcamp Friday. I think that's like the best yeah. way to support an artist you enjoy. I mean, even like, like with venues taking merch cuts and shit like that, Bandcamp Friday fucking go out and buy every goddamn piece of merch from your favorite band on Bandcamp on Bandcamp Friday. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause don't y'all get like a hundred percent of that, that cut. Yeah. You get a hundred percent of it. So yeah. Like, yeah. Bandcamp has been a game changer. They have like been, you know, Bandcamp has been so fucking awesome through all of this and they were doing it through the pandemic. They were doing it like every fucking Friday. Yeah. Which was nuts, dude. Like, you know how much money they probably lost. But I mean, again, <laughs> that's, that's so fucking cool because you have, you know to compete with streaming though it's like it yeah. makes sense you know yeah yeah and then they started getting into vinyl so now you, you they'll press vinyl through Bandcamp. Uh, uh, they're nice. still fairly expensive but i mean yeah that's i mean that all helps because like not only the t-shirt costs go up but obviously shipping has gone up a ton too like when I, when we started uh getting new designs and then started shipping new merch after like you know when stuff started opening up again I was like, holy shit, like something that used to cost us three or four bucks a ship now costs us like eight or nine dollars. It's like, and when I say that we sell our shirts for like, you know, $15 at a show, that's like more than half the cost of the shirt. Yeah. It's right. wild. That's crazy, man. So uh, let's get back to the music uh, since we got off on a bunch of tangents. Uh, you mentioned, <laughs> here's a, two questions that I got for you. You mentioned new metal. What was some of your favorite new metal bands? I mean, number one, like I said, was System of Down for sure. Yeah. Uh, call Rage Against Machine a new metal band or not. I love Rage Against Machine. Yeah. Uh, I think they're tangentially because of the time they came out, like, and right. they kind of had the rap or whatever. It's like, rap yeah. Style, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Rob Zombie was awesome. Slipknot, you know. Um, what other? I mean, there, there's, I think I separated into two places in my mind. New metal bands that I absolutely loved at the time, but I listened back to, and I, I have a nostalgia for them, but I know they're not good. <laughs> and then new metal bands actually like withstood the test of time if that makes sense 
Um, right. Yeah. Like a, a good like intersection there is like Static X, Wisconsin yes. Death Trip. That album is man, ten out of ten for me. But is it a good album? Like if I listen to the album today, would I think the same? Like for the first time, maybe not. I don't know. Like it was unique for sure, unique. But like man, I, I love myself some Static X back then for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Who did it? Yeah, actually, uh, during the, uh, well, I guess right before the pandemic, you know, like how emo nights have become this huge thing of like people just going up there with a MacBook and playing like yeah. Fall Out Boy or something. Like not to troll it because that's a, got a negative connotation, but to be a little more tongue in cheek about it, um, I keep getting asked to do these emo nights. And I said, that's, that's not me. Like, I'm not going to be Mac, like DJ MacBook, you know? I said, but I will do new metal nights. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so nice. I started yeah. doing these new metal nights that we called break stuff and just kind of a goofy way to troll it. And then it, it almost became its own thing. Kind of like going back to the Ryan Gosling thing that just kind of took off as this like weird thing that happens on the internet. Uh, then I started getting asked to do these other random nights, like uh, Tony Hawk pro skater nights where you just play songs from the soundtrack and like country night and stuff like that. So I was playing at these places that was traditionally doing emo nights on Fridays and Saturdays but I was just doing these super niche things, kind of poking <laughs> fun at it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, let's go with uh, Rob Zombie then. So did you hear the new Rob Zombie, well, newish Rob Zombie that came out by chance? I did not. Yeah, I haven't either. It surprisingly stands up, dude. Like, I wouldn't want to go with one of the newer songs because no one knows that stuff. But I would say like, that and the newest Rob Zombie that came out, I'm trying to even see what the hell it was called here. The Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy, that one? There you go. Like, I was surprised at, like, how decent that was all this time later. Uh, but if I have to go with song, I would call, I would say, I think it's called Black Lightning. Black Sunshine. Black Sunshine is White Zombie. Shit, it was White Zombie the whole time. Well, I'm going with Black Sunshine by White Zombie. <laughs> Taking a derail from the Rob Zombie there. Fair enough. I had uh, I had this Mustang that was like a um, like an old shitty black Mustang with like gold stripes, and I that song I'd always listen to that song because it's got this corny like driving sounding rhythm to it, and it's like he grasps the the wheel of his uh, whatever car it was, blah blah blah, and it was just kind of this corny thing. And I bought that Mustang because I always remember my dad as a kid had the Mustang, and I thought it was the coolest car mm-hmm. ever. And then buying that Mustang later on as an adult, I realized every weekend my dad was working on that vehicle, as was I now as an adult, having to work on this Mustang like every day because it was breaking down all the time. <laughs> Rob Zombie. So Twisted Metal. You remember that video game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's where I remember. I remember cruising around, shooting people or other cars, listening to Dragula. <laughs> uh, Slipknot. Let's go super aggro and do people equal shit. Because yeah. that's song, when, uh, when you go to a, a place that has touch tunes and you want to make mm-hmm. it really awkward, you throw on some people equal shit. You know what, you know what we like to do? Yeah, this uh, is tradition. We like to go to, uh, we're from a, a small East Texas town, so everyone there is like, you work, they work in the oil field or whatever. Uh, a bunch of tough guys that wear affliction shirts and stuff, so... Like yeah. we, play, we, we play two we play two songs um one is gangster's paradise because none of them listen to that yeah. and the other one is uh no scrubs right yeah tlc no scrubs yeah tlc uh, no scrubs every time <laughs> every, every time. time me and adam go to a bar with the touch tunes <laughs> and we also play aqua barbie girl as well those three yeah songs. something those, so satisfying yep. about pissing people just off. trolling yep. or like yep. they're just listening to like five finger death punch and god smack and like 
Yeah, like and then we're whatever like, the you know what? top country song is. At the we're time. gonna fuck this up. <laughs> yeah, it's even more awkward if you go to like a restaurant that has touch tunes and you do that oh, same vibe. Like, there's yeah. a few breakfast places that have it, and like, imagine wow. you're in a Waffle House, and now people have to listen to three or four minutes of people equal shit. Now <laughs> yeah. that that would be satisfying. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings one time, and I played a Chariot song. And I was like, where's my damn song at? Because it never came on. And then, like, right when we were leaving, it came on. And I got a satisfaction knowing that those people have to sit there and listen to that shit, even though I didn't get to hear it. <laughs> I love that Touch is an app now, so you can, like, you you don't even have to be at the bar. Like, oh, just, like yeah. a certain distance, and you can play the same song. Like, a But you got to pay bro. extra for the, my, like, my the f- quick play or whatever it's called. Right? My favorite thing to do is wait till you see somebody walk up to the jukebox and put money in it. And then quick pass your song and put on some <laughs> random shitty song. And they always look at their friends like, I swear I didn't play this. Christ, we're all assholes, guys. I think that's what we've realized is we're horrible yeah, people. Yeah. Well, you know, there's not many things that bring us joy. And yeah, so man. the things that do, you just got to. The trolling is, is fun. All right. Trolling is great. <laughs> uh, Static X. Uh, Static X. Honestly, let's just put the whole Wisconsin death trip out. Oh, right. I'm just like, no, <laughs> say less. Say less. <laughs> Which they, I mean, I, uh, they had some decent stuff after Wisconsin death trip, right? Like, uh, what the hell was their album after? Was it um, start a war? Start a war. Okay. Now I'm Shadow like, zone. Did they have decent stuff after Wisconsin? Maybe I'm wrong about that. Oh, I remember machine. the yeah. album cover of start a war. And I, I'm pretty sure that was a pretty decent album. If I can remember okay let's go with um damn do we go with like the thing is like push it i'm with stupid and uh and what's the other one i was looking at there ledford dude they come on with three really strong songs there let's do push it i mean push it is classic it's all time hell yeah that love dumb song is always kind of weird though right (laughs) you come off (laughs) those three bangers and you got love dump (laughs) So you mentioned Zayo and Emery, of course, but who who was your favorite Solid State band? Um, and why is it Haste the Day? Yes. The funny thing is, I was going to say, Zayo might uh, be up, or might be it, you know? But Haste the Day was like kind of, especially when they first started, the vocals were basically Zayo's, like dance It was, right? yeah. Yeah, they're like, very similar. I remember actually standing in line at this place called the Marquee, uh, a venue here for his last, the singer's last show. Um, that singer, I don't know what his name was. Jimmy Ryan. There you go, Jimmy. Yeah. So for his last show, and I didn't buy tickets in advance for some reason, probably because I didn't have a credit card or anything, or probably didn't even have the internet at the time or something. <laughs> <laughs> didn't buy tickets. So I'm waiting in line, and like a few people in front of me got the very last tickets for that show. So I never got to see him live. Damn. Um, but Jesus, that uh, when everything fails was such a good a- album. What's that? Uh, Burning Bridges song is that the what's that? Uh, Burning Bridges is on the first one. Uh, yeah. Well, Burning. Let me see. I don't, is, it, is that the name of the album? I don't think, I think, I think it is it, the name of the album. Yeah. What was that? Uh, is it Blue Forty Two? That was probably Blue oh, no, Forty Two is the first was, one on Burning Bridges. It was it American Love? The I'm Never Gonna Let You Go. Yes. Yeah. That song God. has got some meaning to us, man. Yeah, it does. That's the song. That uh, that album is great. That whole yeah. album is. Great. We're releasing an episode tomorrow, and we actually talk about uh, that song because that me and Adam when we were like at fifteen, 15 or whatever, yeah. six. I had just started driving, fifteen years old. Uh, we would put that album on in my truck. 
and I would go pick up Adam and we would, we'd like to pretend we were in a band. He would sing and I would scream to that song. We just drive around town. Just do that. And that was the song that, that one, that one, yeah. Song of faith on that album. Yeah. Those, those mean something. That shit was a banger, man. Yeah, dude. And I, I think uh, I hated the the album and the, the next album they did with the uh, the new vocalist. Pressure the hinges was Pressure the first one with them. There you go. But then it, it definitely grew on me. I like I just hated it because it was different, and I loved Zayo so much, and I love yeah. the fact that Haste Today sounded so much like Zayo, but with bigger hooks and yeah. riffier guitars. You know. Mm-hmm. So the first song that I heard with their new vocalist was Stitches, and I was like, I didn't like it because it, that's it, it like went. The, yeah, the I know. It's one. like it's like the most poppiest. It's to the hear. single. It's the single yeah. for sure. So because the rest of the album is is pretty dope, and and yeah. Stitches is cool. Don't haste today if you're listening. I mean, I like it now, <laughs> but uh, at the time that wasn't the best one to hear as the first one with the with Steven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of that stuff, like I said, I mean, talking about like how I always got into a couple albums and then fell off and would eventually come back, especially during the pandemic. Like all my friends know my big thing was like going back to bands that I loved one or two albums or loved only one or two songs, but never really listened to the full discography. And I would just go like spend an entire day and listen to every song by that one band. And like, it made me fall in love and realize that I missed a lot of stuff just because bands would put out at an album that was a little bit different. I was so accustomed yeah. to their old stuff, you know? Yeah. The only idea, like the more I just don't care anymore I, in my music has, has grown so much. I just throw shit on, listen to it. And if I like it, if I even like somewhat bob my head to it, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. This, sh- this shit bangs, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, that's yeah, the thing. It's like there's nothing that I don't listen to now. Like I yeah. don't care if it's like I used to like be one of those guys like oh country sucks even though I grew up like listening to 90s country because yeah. of my dad, you know. Yeah. Um yeah. but like I don't care if it's country or hip hop or rap like it, it's I listen to everything now. If it's yeah. good it's good. The thing is the majority of what you hear on the radio is not like the best stuff. Like yeah. for sure. It's not the most interesting stuff. So when you're exposed to it that's why you think it sucks. Yeah. The way I I figured it when I was younger um much like the whole like oh i didn't like emory at first is because i was like how is this is this sending the message if someone else finds out that i listen to this is this portraying the message that i want them like is this the image i want them to get of me so that's why i was just like i want like the heaviest shit possible yeah i just want to everyone to be like wow that guy's like hardcore kind of thing uh real talk i honestly think the reason why american standard sucks is because, no, the reason why the reason why uh i i think we we're not where we could be if we wanted to be there is because of we took a very deliberate stance early that it didn't matter like what type of bands we played with at the end of the day the only thing that mattered to us was that we believe in the band's message that they bring a, a certain energy or vibe and, and that was pretty much it. You know, we wanted to play at venues that we, we liked going to, like we didn't want to play some shitty bar on a Tuesday night that we would never go to. Like yeah. we want to play at venues that we like with bands that we like, regardless of what their style is. And I think that turns a lot of people off sometimes because they have that same mentality that we're talking about right now. Like when you're younger, like you go to a hardcore show and it's four hardcore bands and they all sound damn near the same and you love yep. every second of it, you know? Yeah. And then you go to a, like a show that has a hardcore band and you really like them but you have to sit through a hip hop artist and then there's a pop punk band and you're like, what the hell? So like, maybe I'm not going to go to this next show. We play a lot of those mixed genre shows. And even on this tour that we're doing upcoming here in actually a couple of weeks, we handpicked a lot of the artists on those bills that are completely nice. different than us. 
because I much rather like have that distinction between the bands that are playing and it just sound like a four hour brick of the same thing, you know? Yeah. yeah right. It's That's hard true, to get man. people into that. Like it's, it's easy to play hardcore shows and get everybody in that crowd to like you because you're a hardcore band, mm-hmm. but it's hard to play a show that has all these different style of bands and be that bridge band to be that, like that Lincoln park band that bridged my friend into liking rock or to be like yeah. system of down that put out toxicity. And basically every fr- person at high school loved that. Album. Yeah. 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 Like it's hard to be that bridge band, but when you can be that bridge band, I think you leave a longer lasting impression than just trying to be the heaviest band out there, you know? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's cool because you, you are seeing those mixed genre shows a lot more nowadays. Like before, like you said, it was just the same handful of bands that kind of sound the same, but now I've been seeing more and more of the Yeah, the or you'd genres. have like a mixed genre show and it wouldn't do well. Like people would come yeah. late to see the band they wanted to see and leave early, you know? Yeah. And then the promoter would say, well, I don't want to do this type of show or the bands wouldn't want to do that type of show. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely trying to like promote that culture of shows that we want to see. But like we, when we do it, we try to do it knowing that like there's a certain energy that our crowd expects. For example, on our, one of our last shows, we had um, God Samaritan on it and he's like a, a hip hop slash spoken word guy. But I swear he goes harder than any metal band that you ever see live. Dude, like, <laughs> throw, like literally threw his arm out of socket and had to get carried off stage. Oof. Like he, he puts on such a high energy show that it doesn't like everybody in the crowd was vibing on it, even if they came to like mosh pit. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I've got a couple actually. You talked about your live shows and I actually went down the YouTube rabbit hole and found some videos of some live shows. And it was very much like you said, like you guys are just in the crowd basically screaming in their faces, playing guitar, everything. It doesn't take very long to do some research and see like, that's kind of what you're known for. So what about doing it that way? Like, what does that mean to you? How important is that to you? And what, what are you trying to like portray to the people that come see you when you're playing like that? Cause there's other bands. I mean, I've seen so many shows or some bands you go up there and they're more focused uh, some bands are crazy going everywhere. Some are just like, Hey, let's just stay still and just sound tight and try to sound exactly like we do on the album. You know, everyone kind of does their own thing. Yeah. Like my thing is like people pay for a show to have an experience, you know? And right. I think there are like nerds that want it to be note for note as they hear it on the album, which is fine. I, I jokingly say nerds, but like there's people that want to see that. Like people, uh-huh. like the band stands still, they play absolutely perfect. That's great. Like but for me, it's like, I want you to have a unique experience that's going to be unique to every show. Whether that means like, I think about, for example, this Friday, we're playing this place called Pub Rock and we haven't played there for quite a few years now, four or five years. But the last time we played there, three songs in, our guitarist smashes his guitar on the the monitor, breaks it in half, doesn't have a backup guitar, don't know why. But uh, (laughs) long story short, we decided... All right, we're going at this with a uh, bass guitar, our bass drums and vocals for the rest of the set because we're a one man or a one guitar band, which is a very unique experience. I will say, when that happened, I remember walking into the little back room and thinking, "Well, that kind of sucked." That was like, was, I don't want to say embarrassing, but it was like this is not what I wanted it to be. Right. And I was a little bummed out about it, but then after that, I walked up to the merch booth and there's a line of people at the merch booth just being like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen yeah, that. It's an experience. Something. I've never yeah. seen that. And if I did, and, and it's one thing, cause some people, if, if you don't have a guitar at all, a backup, they would have been like, um, sorry guys. Like we can't really play our songs, but you guys were like, well, this is what you're going to get. It's going to yeah. be a bass and drum show and, and me, you know, hollering. So yeah, I would be like, that's cool as shit. That's brave. That's, 
you're owning your shit and it's, it's awesome yeah, to be at the merch table. <laughs> yeah. So for, for me, it's always like experience above all, like we yeah. want to play solid. We want to sound like, you know, but at the same time, like I want to give every time you come to our show, it's not the same show that you've seen before, you know? Mm-hmm. And then having that connection being out in the crowd is like, I don't want people to think that like, they're just another number in the crowd. Like, Oh, this is a huge show. We played in front of 200 people or 500 people. Like I do not care how many people show up at that show. If those people aren't feeling like they're having an experience and that they're part of something. Um, so that kind of going back to that idea that we talked about earlier with like Matt from Emory and everything saying like, how do you scale this? It's like, if I can't scale it well, where everybody has that same feeling, or at least a big chunk of the crowd has the same feeling, I don't want to do it. Like I, yeah. I want to play a show where people think like, you know, weeks, months, years later, they think about like, Oh, this is really cool. This is where this happened. And I met this person and this, you know, one-off experience that will never happen again took place. Yeah, um, because I remember like, those experiences in my life and that meant something so much to me, you know, so I, if I can do that for over the 10 years, if I've done that for one person, I'm like, all right, that's fucking cool as hell, you know? Absolutely. See, I've seen, uh, me and Adam have seen Josh Scoggin twice. We've seen him once in the chariot and once in 68, two completely different shows, but both of them were probably some of the coolest fucking experiences yeah. I've, I've ever, you know, had at a yeah. show. Josh yeah, I mean, is like, he's a... Fun he's the last of a dying breed of like, uh, like not just saying vocalist, just like front men, entertainers, showman. Like yeah. Say, yeah, showman. Yeah. Um, got, got some great stories about Josh, but the one that, uh, that's always funny to me is we, we've done quite a few shows with Norma Jean and then, and then ultimately with 68 too, with Josh going to 68. And, uh, we did this one show, I think it was like probably not the first time, probably the second time we played with him and we didn't really know him very well. We were playing in Tucson, which is a few hours South of us. So we play our set. They play right after us between sets. I saw Josh out by the van and I walk up to him or I'm walking, at least walking his general direction. And he gets in the van and I was just like, Hey Josh, just want to say, and then shuts the door. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I turn around and start walking the other direction. And I just hear the van doors lock, like, you know, the little click. And to me now, like not because he's an asshole, I'm not like trying to put him on blast. I'm like, I think that was intentional. It was very funny because he came and talked to us later on, but it was so comical in the way it was delivered. <laughs> it was just like, we both made eye contact. I walked up to be like, hey, you know, we played another show with you before. It's cool to be playing with you again. And it was just this over-exaggerated, like <laughs> turn, shut the door. And even after I turned my back, like locked the door. <laughs> and we've since done a few shows with them. So I, yeah. I, I know he's completely a cool guy and everything. Yeah. yeah. Josh I was just that, like, like delivered so straight face. He was like uh, my all-time favorite vocalist growing up. I absolutely adored everything he did. Mm-hmm. And still do, man. He's just for sure. I just love everything he does. I love the way he approaches music. I love like um like the coolest shit I ever saw in my like little 17, 18 year old kid self was that uh I think it was called Speak when he like yeah. the video he did for it, he just like yeah. walked into the fucking studio with the piano going and just started screaming in the mic. And I was like, This is so goddamn cool. Yeah, it's one of the coolest things. Yeah. The thing about Josh is like I do think he's like he's very creative and he's like very hands-on with owning every aspect of the art, like the artistic yeah. side of it. And I, I think there's two different types of music, well, maybe three, but there's the very like technically focused musician. Like I want to play everything note for note, perfect. And it, it's got to be technical and be like, like there's a difference between that technicality and creativity. Like mm-hmm. when you listen to the chariot um, and when you listen to 68, it's not like he's shredding balls on guitar or anything, or he's doing some of the 
crazy vocal stuff, although he is a lot of the time. It's more of like, this is just like a cool idea. Like it's a unique idea that is heavy and abrasive, but still catchy some, for some reason. Yeah. Something that doesn't sound like something you've heard before. Like hell, you could be hitting open on guitar or just strumming one note on guitar and make that creative, even yeah. though it's not like from a musical perspective, super technical or talented. Yeah. I never realized how much feedback he left into uh, Everything is Alive, Everything is Breathing album. There's so much goddamn feedback in that album, like like the guitars and shit. <laughs> yeah. The thing that's kind of cool about feedback is I almost look at that as like the same concept of like a show, like a one-time experience. It's like when you're building feedback and sounds that aren't just like hitting the note, it's very hard to recreate exactly what that sound is. So it's kind of a fleeting moment. Like this is this is something that will never be exactly like this again, you know? Yeah. And And that's very different than like, just a band playing the song straight as like what the notes are. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Is there like a favorite tour you've been on? Like, uh, I know you've toured with a shit ton of bands. Like every time I die, the chariot, all the bands uh, we love. Yeah. Much. Pretty much every band Including yours. you've ever loved. Yeah, Dude, we're, absolutely. We are yeah. so fortunate because it was yeah, every, every band that I grew up listening to, like just by nature of being a, a band in Arizona that didn't break up after one year, <laughs> you've yeah. been able to play with you know yeah which has been awesome and like like you mentioned every time i die those guys were like the most down-to-earth guys like jordan the guitarist actually lives here in arizona now at the time he was on baby watch like his kid was like weeks from being born and they played a show here uh and it was a one-off date in like flagstaff a couple hours north of us we got put on the show a couple days before the show and they hung out with us like before the show at the bar uh during the show they shouted us out they bought like some t-shirt and some vinyl from us they gave us like the salem vinyl before it even came out from every that's time awesome afterwards they invited us back to the hotel and we we're just like watching wrestling and like drinking like just stand up dudes you know but um i would be remiss if i didn't say the best tour we've ever done was with a band called steak sauce mustache okay. i know the name sounds goofy as hell it's okay because their show is equally goofy as hell. <laughs> but they are the most technical, talented band and the most um, entertaining band because I think that was like 14 or 15 days that we did with them. And we've played multiple shows since then too. But every single show is different. They do these different bits. They do like all these different costume changes. And it's not necessarily a gimmick band. It's not like a, like a Max Sabbath, you know, like they're doing this specific gimmick. They're just super goofy. Like one of their guys, Joey, he works for Adult Swim and he does uh, animation. Um, so nice. a lot of their videos are very goofy like that. And a lot of their merch and stuff is very like just over the top. They're so fun, dude. Like Sticks House Mustache is the type of band that like they could play with a death metal band or an acoustic artist or a hip hop guy. And like if you're open to having a fun time, you're going to have a fun time regardless because they're going to make you. Yeah. Well, let's get one of those, man. Let's get one of their songs on there. Yeah. Uh, Steak sauce. uh, Their big bit now is diapers. I don't know why. Like (laughs) like, (laughs) they've been wrapping their, uh, all their like CD and vinyl in diapers, which is a funny thing. They've got like a guy that dresses up as a baby on stage and he uh, has this big old gun that shoots toilet paper into the crowds to get everybody to chant, no wipey my diapy. It's, it's ridiculous. So nice. long short, uh, let's put dinner uh, denim diaper daddies on the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> and do yeah, if they ever come through your area, they they just got off tour with uh, a band called Oakley Doakley, which is kind of a gimmick band from Arizona. They're like a Ned Flanders. Oh, I've heard person. of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, we've actually yeah, we, yeah, we did their yeah. album release a while back. They're they're super talented, super cool guys. 
the music is kind of like what it is, but like they know like this is all a gimmick and it's just for fun, you know? But, yeah, it's uh, funny. Yeah, they did a tour with Stick Sauce and like every show is sold out because like both those bands are just hilarious to watch. But like to see Steak Sauce be so funny and put on such a show, but also be so like technical and talented and tight as a band, it's just crazy. Like, is I mean, they kind of sound like MySpace era grind or metalcore. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Now I'm going to have to uh, hit Taylor and Brad and their guys up and make them pay me for pushing their stuff. I'm an intern right. now. <laughs> <laughs> so what would be like either a controversial or maybe a discussion about music or the scene that maybe people aren't ready to have? Um, a controversial subject. Let's get on the lamb goats right now and the, the revolvers and alternative presses. Um, I don't know. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I know it's not even a fully formed thought. So this might, this isn't a headline at all yet, but maybe we'll make it in one. Is I think like there's this weird thing that we're seeing where there's this big boom in the nineties of like album sales and everybody wanted to be in a band because it seemed like this like lucrative, like, like you can make money being in a band. Right. And right. in the eighties and nineties, it was like that grandiose, like glamor of being in a band and getting girls and making money and all this stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then like in the early two thousands, I think there was, there's still some of that that was like lingering as it like went into like, you know, pop punk and new metal, obviously with huge money makers. Now it almost feels like, I don't think bands really care about money anymore, but it almost feels like the only thing that matters is like clout, like uh, popularity, like internet popularity. Like it doesn't matter what you have to do. It doesn't matter if you're making money. It's just like, you've got to put out what people call content now, which I fucking hate that word, dude. But like, you've got to put out regular content to get likes, which yeah. people are treating like they're like tickets at Peter Piper Pizza so you could trade them in for like Tootsie Rolls and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And none of that, like none of that matters, but every band is like fighting so hard to do that. And when, when you can see bands, or at least I, maybe it's just me, like with the perspective I have, you can see bands when they find something that seems to work and it may have nothing to do with the music. Like basically bands becoming a meme page is a big thing or bands that are only commenting on other posts that way people can like and check them out like it has nothing to do it doesn't add to the conversation but they're they're actively just trying to get people to be like hey look at this band that commented on this post you know and it seems like it's all for the purpose of just like this internet popularity that doesn't mean anything you know yeah it doesn't mean people are buying their albums it doesn't mean people are going to their shows they're just getting some likes you know yeah dude like so if the if the thing that if it's controversial it's maybe the fact that bands have become savvy to the fact that there might not be money in this but you can still get clout and there's some things that you have to do that have nothing to do with making art or making music to get that clout a lot of bands are absolutely willing to do that and like for me it's like i see some sometimes like we'll do something that like it's genuine to us but then i see oh this like kind of took off a lot of people start sharing this in comedy and sometimes that makes me think like damn, I don't want to just keep doing this. Then like I, a lot of bands would double down and just make their page all about that or, you know, yeah. their music meet whatever got them the streams last time. But yeah. um, like actively that turns me off. <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen both sides of the story. I've seen people mm-hmm. say that you shouldn't have to do that. And then I've seen other people say stuff like, uh, so I remember, I don't remember who it was, but I read one post and it was like, if you think you're too good to make content like this and you don't need to be in the fucking scene. And (laughs) the the deal is with me is like, I don't think I'm too good. Uh, There's a little thing called anxiety that everybody forgets about. I hate, like if you look at my social media, I don't post shit about this show. I don't post shit about anything on my personal social media. I have a separate page for that. 
because I'm anxious as fuck. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. you know, like the reason I don't want to make content like that, the reason I don't want to make TikTok videos of myself or, or post pictures of myself is not because I'm lazy or because I think it's stupid or any of that shit. It's a, it's fucking anxiety. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, you can look at it from multiple different, angles, multiple different yeah. sides, angles, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, I get like, some people may think they're too good for it or whatever, but then there's those of us like Adam too, like our social medias aren't riddled with all this shit because You're right. we just, it's, it's, it's anxiety, you know, that's it. And, yeah. and I don't know. I, I feel I mean, both real. sides. That's I real. get it. Yeah. I get both sides. I get like uh, people complaining because they just don't want to do it because they think they're too good for it. But that kind of fucks over people like me and Adam who don't want to do it because, you know. <laughs> well, I think that there's, there's a couple like, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to dig in there. But I would say like a key piece for me is being like uh, having a self-realization that you're doing it. You know? Yeah. So like if, you're, if your goal is to be the biggest band out there by all means necessary, go do, do that stuff. I don't care. And honestly, all the bands that are doing it more power to you. Keep doing it. Yeah. It's just not for me, you know? Um, but I think what sucks is when I see like a band that has like a very, it seems like a very clear vision of their art and they're putting out very interesting stuff. And then you see that drastically change because it's not meeting what gets the algorithm, you know, yeah. to give them like, yeah. that yeah. sucks dude. Cause I'm just like, dude, you, you guys are so cool. And like, yes, you could probably like, see a squirrel here, take a swerve and maybe get some popularity quicker than you would have otherwise, but it's going to die off so much quicker when the next trend comes in than if you were just yeah. to stay the course with what your vision was, you know? So, I mean, like yeah. I said, no hate on bands that do it, but, um, it's, it's so hard to like to convert. So the first time I, so the first time I did the show, uh, two years ago, I was actually on anxiety medication. Uh, and I posted like fucking frequently, like all the time. I'm no longer on the medication now. And it's like, I mean, palm sweaty every time I'm about to hit the send button. Like I'm, I'm still forcing myself to do it. Like, yeah, but I, I don't take pictures. I only post like certain content. So like with Adam, you know, I'll come up with like a meme or like, like just something, something to post on my page. Cause I know it has to be done. Like, otherwise I, I really don't give a shit. Like I'm not a social media driven person at all, yeah. but I know it's like, like that's part of the game in order to, yeah, I don't know. It's that's stupid. the space we're all living in, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's weird. Yeah. I like for me, my, my guiding is my guiding principle is always like, is this true to me? Like if you see on my personal page, like some, something that's like vaguely funny or anything like that, it's everything is like, cause I actually, I had some weird experience at work or my dog or like, like out in the public, you know, something happened and like it's bond this thought. It's not me thinking like I've got to post something today. It's yeah. because I genuinely feel compelled to post. And sometimes like it, to your point, like, hell, I'll go on my Instagram. I don't think I've posted anything and I don't know how long I maybe posted one thing all year long, you know? So yeah. it's just like, I never want to feel like I have to post stuff on there just to like appease the algorithm or get these likes. Yeah. Going back to like my purpose for the band and what I'm doing is like, it's not to play in front of 5,000 people. It's to play in front of 20 people to actually give a shit about it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. It's, it's, if that's what you want to do, that's awesome, man. More power to you. Uh, there's a bunch of bands who do that shit really fucking well. 
Yeah. Um, and then there's a bunch of bands that don't even have to do that shit and they blow right the fuck up. It's nuts, man. I don't, I don't understand how any of it <laughs> Isn't works. that wild, dude? Yeah. That's the weirdest thing, dude. I see like yeah. bands that like online look like the biggest band ever, like local bands or, or bands come through on tour and then go to their show and nobody is there. And then there'll be a band that doesn't have any social media at all and they'll be like selling out like a place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't make sense how that works. Yeah, no. like meme conversions and shit like that is so... Like I, back to my point earlier. So the first time I was doing this, I was on anxiety meds and I posted like daily content, like every day. And I had a bunch of memes go viral, all kinds of shit. You know how many listeners I got from that? Like five, like, like, <laughs> yeah, like you know, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like the, where I found my listeners. Doesn't translate, is, right? Yeah. No, it doesn't translate. Cause people don't give a shit about your show. They care about your funny fucking meme. Yeah, you it's know? the pop punk bands and the metalcore bands that do the Taylor Swift covers, and then they put out a next single and it has nobody listening to exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah. Know? and that's it's the same shit. Yeah, and so that is probably one of the biggest obstacles me and Adam have had with this show is trying to market ourselves when we just generally don't want to do like like we like <laughs> just I don't know. It's just it's just fucking crazy, dude. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, with you, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's that's maybe where the uh, like having an outsider person like to that point, if you've got like money or got connections or whatever it is like to be able to do that aspect for you, that's like, maybe some appeal to that is not yeah. do be the person that does it. But I also like, and this is maybe unrealistic, but part of me wants to think like, if you're genuine, like if you, you don't have to post every day, you don't have to like whatever yeah. feels genuine to you, then people will catch on to that. Cause I think from a podcast perspective, and I listen to a lot of podcasts cause I drive quite a bit is like, I typically start off with a podcast because it has a guest or a topic that I'm really into. Yeah. But then if that host wins me over, I find myself going to find other guests or topics that I'm kind of into. And then yeah. there's mm -hmm. a point where it crosses over to where it's just like, all right, this person can be telling me how paper clips are made. I'm going to listen because he's typically funny or it's got something insightful or something. You right. Know? So I, I, I want to believe, and I don't think this happens for the, like the larger mass audience, but I want to believe like you can build a following still just by being genuine and not yeah. like playing the game, you know, it's a lot slower. It's yep. a lot fucking slower than it would be than if you just posted a bunch of hilarious memes. Yeah, exactly. So like, if you go to my Facebook and my Instagram, that's not genuinely me. That is me trying to get followers. And it's, you'll probably never see a picture of me posted on that. I think we got one maybe, but if you go to like, dude, I haven't touched my, my actual Instagram in like three years, maybe. You don't, do you I think, think the exists? last, who am I yeah. talking to right now? Yeah. yeah like the You're last picture, fade away into the abyss. <laughs> pretty much the last picture I posted on my personal Instagram was like the first day of uh, school for my kids, like three years ago. And that was it. Yeah. And then like, my Twitter a though, moment. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. I'll you know, that like to you. <laughs> my Facebook, like me and my wife both are the same way. She's like, she'll send me the pictures and be like, can you post these? And I'm like, God damn it. Like you can't fucking do it. Like, <laughs> I just, I don't know. But like Twitter, I am actually like really genuine on my Twitter because it's this, the, the algorithm does not work the same for Twitter and, yeah. and Instagram and Facebook. Like, I can get away with posting dumb fucking memes all day long, but Twitter just does not like that. So I try to be as genuine as I can on there. So. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, there's like this weird dichotomy because like none of us in the band take ourselves seriously at all. Like all our group chat is littered with memes and jokes, like nothing serious to the point. It's almost frustrating because we can't get shit done. <laughs> yeah. But like on our page, like we, when we post, it's typically something that we really want, like a point we want to get across or something, whether it be funny or not, you know? Um, then when people comment on there, like, 
we'll be funny all day and like banter back and forth with people in the comments, <laughs> but like, I never feel compelled to post that type of, like, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. And yeah. like, maybe that's also another reason why American standard sucks is because we don't play the game all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Just be true to yourself, man. I dig this shit out sure. of music. So yeah. I mean, love it. Uh, I definitely get like the hardcore, uh, every time I die. And that's what I texted Adam. I was like, man, this is like, uh, Every time I die, Norma Jean, you know, it's 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 right up our alley. That's, that's kind of I grew up on like up, that so. Hot Damn album by Every Time oh, I Die. No. Yes. <laughs> like Hot Damn was my favorite album uh, by Every Time I Die until Low Teens came out. And those are two drastically different albums. Yeah. But like maybe, in my opinion, they're two best albums. And the yeah. new one was great too. I mean, they ended on a sour note, but it's a great album. Yeah, absolutely, man. I hate that form. They're like that band right there, there's been so many people that i talk to that that just absolutely adore every time i die so it kind of sucks how all that went down so dude i've probably seen two dozen times i've flown to new york to see their buffalo show for a few years in a row like damn yeah dude like i i love that band because they were so consistent with every album for yep. 20 plus years dude yep. i mean i'm excited to see what jordan and the guy because they're working on new stuff now i'm like excited to see what that is and definitely going to support it but um as yeah, it ended the way it did. Yeah, Keith had had a way with words, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I then the point of Norma Jean, like, um, the funny thing is, like, I the other band I've done up to this up to American Standards was always like a fairly heavy metalcore band. Like before this, I was fronting a band that was more like like Maylene and Sons of Disaster. He is Legend, like that. Southern yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull offs, you know, three five, like hardcore. I love um, that shit. <laughs> and then before that, I was doing more like like Norma Jean meets Black Dahlia Murder, which sounds weird as hell, but that's when I was playing guitar. Um, and then the first band was very Alexis on Fire style. So like I've done the gamut. And then when I got to American Standards, I remember Cody, our initial guitarist, reached out to me. And I told him up front, I don't want to do metalcore anymore. Like I want to do something that's more punk influenced. I love Refused. I love like Great Britain, where it's uh, the Gallows album, where it's, it's still hardcore, but it's like very catchy, very structured. It's like as heavy as you can be while still being catchy. And he's like, that's exactly what I want to do. A lot of punk, a lot of rock and roll. And then we ended up being more of like a chariot, you know, to convert, yeah. influence, fan. I still love it. I absolutely love it. But it was so different than the initial vision. And because of that, like it's kind of become its own thing, you know? Yeah, so that's that's crazy because I, I was actually thinking y'all were more of like hardcore punk than than like metalcore, post hardcore. Like I'll take that because that's what I wanted yeah. in the beginning. Was like yeah, yeah. I, not that there's anything against that. It's just like a metalcore or anything. It's just like I always wanted to be a band that like it's it sounds raw but it still sounds punchy. It's yeah. not based in chugs and breakdowns. Like and it, it's got some element of catchiness or structure despite the fact that it's mainly yelling. Yeah. I think y'all kill it, man. Like, like nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. I mean, hardcore punk is, is what I would more like, kind of like every time I die. Cause that that's, I think initially that's what they were calling themselves was hardcore punk. So I'll take it, man. I'll yeah. I think it. that's, Appreciate that's that. more. Yeah. So, well, let's get a, let's get an ETI uh, every time I die song here, man. Uh, I mean, it's gotta be floater off hot damn or, or map change off low teens. <laughs> we'll we'll <laughs> do them both. All right. <laughs> all right. And then, uh, you said refused as well. So let's do that one too. Oh dude. Refused. Like I said, refuses the dream band, dude. Like I saw them in Tucson. I remember I bought tickets like the second they came out, I paid for VIP, not because I wanted to meet them because I always feel like that experience is awkward, but because I thought I was going to sell out. Then I went to the show and there's like 50 people there. 
<laughs> but um, refuse, I would say, <laughs> deadly rhythm off uh, Shape of Pumpkin. Yeah, Pumpkin. yeah. We actually used to cover Rather Be Dead probably for like three or four years. Really one of the only songs that we consistently covered. Nice. That's awesome. I love that band too. My, my rule was always like, you can cover a band that's no longer an active band. And then when they start playing again, I'm like, all right, I guess I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I'm sure we have to wrap this up pretty soon. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I was uh, just going to do the uh, usual. Get it. Can, so, I, can I throw a plug in for one other band that we have? Please. Yes. please. So the newest artist I've been listening to, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right, is Scuff Mixon. And <laughs> this was a. Uh, a product of the algorithm, I think on like TikTok or something where I just keep seeing this person pop up over and over again. And me in my head, I'm thinking like, this is huge, like huge hooks. This is like big, you know? And then I, I went to Spotify and I listened to his newest song at the time, which was called Bruises. And it's spoken word slash poetry. It's got this really cool story about, um, not cool story, but he lost his father and I had lost my father a while back too. And he came across this guy on TikTok that had also lost his father that wrote this guitar riff and he jumped on a train to go meet this dude. And they made this spoken word poetry song together about losing their fathers. And it's like such a beautiful song. I can't remember the last time I listened to a song where I actually almost felt like I was in tears, like I was fighting back tears. So Scuff Mixon's got this song called Bruises. It's, it's fucking beautiful, dude. Um, and it's, it's spoken word. It's not for everybody. If you like old me without you and stuff, maybe you'll be into it or listen yeah, to it yeah, yeah. like that. Um, but it's so cool. And then he's got these banger songs too that are a mixture of spoken word with these big old hooks that sound more like like Swarty Noise or something like that. Um, so like Magnificent's great and It Wants Me Dead is great. But yeah, uh, yeah Scuff Mixon Bruises is so freaking cool. And it's such a bummer song too. But it like I can't remember the last time a song hit me like that. I actually saw him on, on Instagram, on like Instagram Live or TikTok Live or something um, a few days back. And I jumped on and I didn't realize I was on the band account. And then he immediately was like, oh, shit, American Sanders. I saw you guys play like 10 years ago. I'm like, wait, are you into hardcore? <laughs> like, <laughs> nice, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, dude, I used to scream for a band. Like, we play with, like, Fear Before the March of Flames and Mayling and stuff oh, like that. Before. That's crazy. I'm like, yeah, that's man. wild how this, like, all full circle. Like, I've been nerding out over this, like, this music for, like, the last month or so. And then this dude, like, saw us play 10 years ago or something. Yeah. Is there any, like like friends bands, like, like bands you enjoy touring with anything like that. that you want to throw in here and give a little shout out. I know you did the steak sauce. Outside of steak sauce, let's see, um, stay wild. Fantastic band from California. Uh, very much like refused more so than us as a three piece. Very cool message. Like for me, like message, like lyrics is what I nerd out over. Like you asked the question, like, was I good, a uh, good vocalist from the beginning? And like, I never have claimed to be a good vocalist at all, but I really, really enjoy writing lyrics. Like, yeah. I always put, I always put lyrics first and Steaks Awesome Mustache just has such a good message. Um, and that's why I think I've gravitated towards bands like System of a Down and, and uh, Rage yeah. Machine and Refuse just because they've got a very serious, very poignant message, but a very right. high energy and also a good appeal to them, like a, a unique appeal to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Stay yeah. Wild, I, I would put up there. Um, okay. Uh, is there a song with Stay Wild? Uh, let's take a quick look. They haven't done anything for a little while. Um, since the pandemic, I don't think they've really came back with anything, but I would say trigger warning. It's a good one. Um, there's questions that I'm not going to be able to ask <laughs> because of like time and everything, but, uh, do y'all have any like new music coming out or anything like that? If, yeah. if you know, if y'all ever want to, if you ever want to come back on the show, man, I've got plenty of 
content as you call Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I've taken a lot of you guys' time. Apologies. Yeah. Um, no, it's fine, dude. I, it was, I, I enjoyed every second of it, you know? Yeah, so we've got a, an EP that will be coming out. We'll probably have the first single out by next month. Uh, the EP is going to be called Dopamine Dealer. And with this, I'm so excited about this because after like 10 years of recording, I feel like we finally found over the last few singles what really works for us. And sadly, what works for us is, well, sadly and gratefully, what works for us is like the cheapest thing and the most convenient thing that we've ever done. Because we've recorded albums in the past that cost thousands of dollars and we had to drive to like California multiple times to record them and so forth. Uh, this is like, we're working with a local guy that's the engineer on it. We're sending it out to get uh, mixed and mastered um, by another very, very talented person. Um, and it, it sounds fantastic. So we've got these songs that we put so, so much into, and we we've been able to do what I wish we could have done all along, which is sit on them for a while. So we record, we listen to them for a couple of weeks, we go back in and we make changes. We listen to them for a couple of weeks, we go back in. So very excited for this new EP that's coming out. And uh, depending on when this podcast gets released, we're also doing a tour in August, uh, the end of this month, um, which is just kind of a week long thing uh, with a, festival and it's kind of all built around a festival in salt lake with cult leader um and then we've got some more touring planned towards the end of the year a couple more shows throughout the end of the year but um depending on when this is posted i mean if you misses that window you'll also see us next year we basically want to double down go twice as hard next year on touring whether it be our last year as a super active band we know that we want to make sure that uh we go out with a bang so so next year is going to be us touring more than we ever have awesome if y'all ever want to come back on, man, I, I got plenty more questions for you that, that that was hoping to get into tonight. So, Adam, you can go ahead and do your thing now. Yeah, for sure. So, we like to give you some time to just shout out your socials, social media handles. You already talked about the EP, talked about the tours. Uh, let us know if you're coming to Texas, obviously, so I so we can be there. Where in Texas uh, are you guys from? I didn't even ask that up front. So I live in Dallas, Augie's okay. in Longview, uh, which is only two hours away. So yeah. he's actually coming up this weekend. But like, you know, if you're yeah. pretty much anywhere, Austin, yeah. Dallas, Houston, uh, wouldn't be a problem to get there. We've definitely played uh, Texas quite a few times in the past. Texas can be a tour on itself that is so freaking big. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll let you know. Fucking huge. Yeah. So the, the socials, at pretty much American standards on absolutely any platform. I kind of took this approach with the band early on. It's like, I, I don't care where you're at. I want to make sure you can find us. So yeah. we're on, on every platform at American standards. I think the only exception is on Twitter is at American standards with the standards takes out the, the vowels because it's okay. at the time. So yeah, it's pretty easy to find. If you Google us, you'll find us. Just make sure you put an S at the end or you could probably come across some toilet stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah, and new music tour. I mean, hit us up, whatever. We're honestly probably the, the most stoked anytime we hear from anybody. So yeah, if you got any, anything you want to send our way, any questions or anything, we're always open to jump back on. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Just anything you need to promote, whatever, man, hit us up. We got you. Cool. Uh, I'll we, send you uh, I'll send you a Dropbox with some of these songs. Although I think uh, right yeah. now they've got the mix, but they're still pinning the master. So we've got to be those bands as like, Anytime a friend shows you a song, it's like, yeah, it's this, but uh, it's going to sound so much better, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pull that with you guys. That's fine, man. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Thank you. Adam, you want to get the songs? Oh, yeah. So we like to open and close the playlist with a song from the artist. So give us a American Standard song to open the playlist and to close the playlist. 
So I would have to say for the, the opener, let's go with our newest song, uh, which is called The Pendulum to Podium, mm-hmm. which uh, was recorded in the same fashion that we're going to be putting out our new song. Nice. Um, so it's going to sound very much of that caliber. And then for the ending song, one of my favorite songs is actually off our first uh, album, Still Life. It's called The Red Queen. And I really fought at the time to make that one of the singles that had a music video for it. We ended up going with Harvester and, and the still life, which the still life, I still, we play that most shows and I absolutely love that song. It means so, so much to me, but um, Red Queen is to me such a banger and we, I don't feel like it ever got the spotlight it deserved. <laughs> oh, it'll get it now. Oh yeah, man. We're going to get that bump, man. MGK is going to hear it. That's right. Two week notice in right now. (laughs) Uh, Last question. What is the last thing you listened to? Oh yeah. Last thing I listened to, uh, let's look at uh, Spotify right now. So I was listening to Spitfire. um, Wow. Yeah. I think it was crossed. Yep. So crossed was the last song I have on my, uh, my Spotify. Oh yeah. That name and so long. I just heard that name the other day. I man, somebody they posted something or something. Like people are freaking out because they I think they they might be like making a apparently comeback. Did or like something. A, I could be wrong, but apparently did I from what I've heard, they did like a re-release or a remaster of one of their albums. Yeah, it was something um, like that. And people were going crazy for it online. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's I mean it's cool that people are like I feel like they're super, super underrated. Like they definitely had some following, but I don't know they had half the following that they deserved, to be honest. Right. Yeah, completely. I agree. And I didn't actually like this is super stupid of me. I didn't even know until recently that the singer is the same singer from the band Scarlet, which I was also really into Scarlet back in the days. Just I wasn't listening to them at the same time, and I never drew that correlation to the fact that they the singers like sound exactly the same, same <laughs> style like a vocal delivery, mm-hmm. and then on top of that. One album is called Cult Fiction, and the other is called um, something cult, cult classic. So literally, they named their albums like very similar to. <laughs> and then <laughs> like crazy. me, like whatever, fifteen, twenty years later, is like, oh shit, that's the same guy. Nice, that's hilarious. But that's it, man. That's all we got for you today. Uh, Thank like you I for said, your time, dude. Absolutely, dude, man. You, feel free anytime. You, you took two hours with me, and I very much appreciate that. <laughs> talking to some random dude in phoenix right now hey man (laughs) thank you so much man you have a great night yeah thank you yeah take it easy bye you too